Dieu. Toward the end of the book, focus your attention on verses 20 and 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's good that the word booms forth from this pulpit, doesn't it? Two quick announcements. Troy touched on this. Isn't it great to see Logan Summers? And there's a female sitting next to him. Logan's got a girlfriend. Logan's got a girlfriend. Her name is Lacey, and she just happens to be the sister of Lexi. Ryder and Lexi, and we are glad to have her with us, and she's been with us for several days, Logan and her. Good to have them with us. They'll be heading back to Austin uh, shortly after services tonight. Good to have you with us. We're proud of you. Logan is still teaching at the Southwest School of Preaching in the Austin area, doing a great work there, and we are thankful for whatever role we might have played and helping him get to the point where he's helping other guys preach the word. Also, ladies, ladies, if you're a guy, you can tune this out. But ladies, there will be a ladies' workshop on May the 15th here at Westside. That is a Saturday. It will begin at 9, and it will go to about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There will be two basic sessions. What this will be about is making a great case for Jesus. We live in a world where there's a lot of doubt, where there's a lot of disbelief, and sometimes people are quite aggressive in things that they say about Christianity and the Bible, aren't they? How can you respond to individuals in a good, effective, God-honoring way. Ladies, that's what this workshop will be about. Karen Dixon will be doing the workshop on behalf of the congregation here. I admittedly am just a little biased, but this is an area where she excels. This is an area where she's invested a lot of her life because what she wants to do is help teenagers who are skeptical and doubting to have a rock-solid faith. So I think that she'll do a great job helping the ladies be better equipped to help others know Jesus and have a rock-solid faith. 
So guys, tune back in. If you have small children, volunteer to take care of the kids on Saturday, May the 15th, all right? You don't even have to do it the whole day unless you're feeling extra generous, but from 9 in the morning to about 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon. It will be an excellent investment of our sister's time, all right? If you have questions, ask Mary Olry, who when she heard about it, went to Oklahoma over the weekend. But if you have questions, ask Mary Olry. She'll be back, and I know that she'll be glad to help you in any way that she can. Maybe ask Karen as well. All right? Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Jude. And tonight we'll look at this book yet again and finish the study. When you think about Jude... Think about these three words. Think about the word timing. Think about the word fighting. Think about the word authority. Think about timing. Think about fighting, but fighting with the right attitude And think about authority. Now listen as I put out a sentence that really gets at what the book of Jude is all about. It's right to fight when we fight right for what is right in the sight of God. Preacher said a mouthful, but it's true. It's right to fight That has to do with timing. There is a time when it's right to fight. Other times when maybe you should wait, but there's a time when it's right to fight. There is a time when it's right to fight. If we fight right, that has to do with attitude. And the book of Jude is all about timing and attitude in fighting for what's right in the sight of God. That's the authority part. Jude is one of the most overlooked books in the New Testament. I suspect in part because it's close to James and First and Second Peter. And then on the other side, it's close... To Revelation. So when you're close to James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John on one side and Revelation on the other, I guess one might understand the book being overlooked. And yet, what a great, powerful book it is. And a needed book in our day and time. When you look at the book of Jude, let me give you the structure one more time just consisting of three basic thoughts. In Jude 1 through 4, Jude sounds an alarm. He sounds an alarm. He talks about the preciousness of being God's children in the opening verses. And he says in verse 3, I wanted to write about the common salvation that we have in Jesus, but it was more necessary for me to write to you concerning the need to contend earnestly for the faith. That's probably the most well-known verse in the book of Jude. 
Jude verse 3. Verse 4 talks about false teaching that is going on at that time where people twist God's grace and turn it into something ugly and they deny the lordship of Jesus. He sounds the alarm. In verses 5 through 16, the expression to remember is argument. Jude really knows the Old Testament. And he gives examples from the Old Testament that are graphic and vivid. He has a way of painting a picture with the things that he writes that we really get the idea in our minds and hearts. And he talks about the awfulness of sin. And he talks about future judgment. And that's what verses 5 through 16 are about. But now look at verses 17 through 25. And really here's where we're to pick up in our study tonight. Jude verses 17 through 25. You know, any study of the book of Jude has to answer a number of questions. Questions that maybe you haven't thought too much about because maybe like so many of us, you've overlooked the book of Jude too to some point, to some degree in your study. One of the questions is, what's the relationship of Jude to 2 Peter? Because the two books... Both deal with religious error, and at points, they are almost exactly the same in how they word things. If you compare the book of Jude to 2 Peter chapter 2, especially, they sound remarkably alike. Now, one way you could answer that is simply by saying, just as the gospel accounts may record the same events from Christ's life and do so in some similar ways, there's also uniqueness, isn't there? Therefore, talking about religious error or false teaching as both Second Peter and Jude do, it's not unreasonable at all to think that they may do so in some of the same ways. That makes good sense. Jude also quotes two books that are not biblical books. It alludes to two books that are not books of the Bible. Jude 9 refers to an old book called The Assumption of Moses. Questions that you need to think about, maybe make you scratch your head a little bit. And then Jude verse 14 refers to the book of Enoch. So twice Jude makes reference to non-inspired books. And what's wrong with that would be a pretty decent reply. Paul could refer to an idol that was erected to the unknown God in Acts 17. There are numerous occasions throughout the Word of God where reference can be made to a book that is not part of the New Testament. But still, 
Can one not do that to illustrate or to make a point just as public speakers and teachers have done for centuries? When you look at the book of Jude, I think it's important to be familiar with more than just verse 3, as important as it is. Yes, we must contend earnestly for the faith, once for all delivered to the saints. But this book is remarkably God-centered. How do we live right in a world that seems so wrong? How do we live right when there are Christians that seem to be living wrong too? The book of Jude helps a great deal. For those that listened well last week, I said there are how many commands in the book of Jude? Do you remember? Seven. The first one will be seen in verse 3. It's an imperative to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That's not optional. It's right to fight. When we fight right... For what is right in the sight of God? Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 War the good warfare. Our warfare is not consisting of flesh and blood, but it's spiritual in nature. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 6. But to fight right... What the right attitude and spirit to speak the truth and love, Ephesians 4.15. And to fight right for what is right in the sight of God, not simply our personal opinion or preference, or not simply what we grew up with, but to fight right for what's right in the sight of God. That means solidly biblical and respectful of what God has said. All right, if that was the first of those seven commands, let me give you the rest, and then we'll move quickly from verses 17 through 25. And a number of these commands are going to be seen, as a matter of fact, six of them from verses 17 through 25. Look at Jude 17. The passage begins with a contrast, but you. Others may not understand the seriousness of religious error and of failing to contend for the faith once delivered. But you need to. You need to remember the instruction and the warnings of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the command. Remember the instruction and warnings of the apostles of Jesus. That's the second command. The farther we get away from respecting God's holy word, the more we will get away from the faith. Notice yet again. Go down, if you would, to verse 20. Here's a third command. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Far as I can tell, that is a, an imperative for everybody. 
Everybody has a responsibility before God to contend for the faith. Everybody has a responsibility before God to remember the words of the apostles and their instruction and warning. Everybody is to build each other up in the most holy faith. Fourth, here's this imperative or command, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit. That's the command. In accordance with the will of the Holy Spirit, in accordance with walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16-26, to pray fervently in the Spirit. James 5 and verse 16. Notice again. From verse 21, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. One of the characteristics of the book of Jude is its emphasis on being kept by God. Notice verse 21 again, keep yourselves in the love of God. And then go down to verse 24, God is able to keep us. See that? If we keep ourselves in the love of God, God will keep us from stumbling and will present us without blame with great joy. Look again at verse 21. If you're following along, these commands, seven of them all, contend earnestly for the faith. Remember the words and the warnings of the apostles. Uh, Keep yourselves in the most holy faith. Uh, Build yourselves up in that. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then really the shortened form of the command is save others. Save others. Look at verses 22 and 23. Save others by having mercy on those who doubt. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Save others with fear, hating even the garment that has been stained with sin. Brief book, 25 verses, with seven commands that every Christian ought to think about. Now let's go to Jude verse 17. Jude 17, because this is an admonition. One through four, the alarm was sounded. Five through 16, the argument was made on how serious religious error can be and how it can devastate and damn souls. Now in verses 17 through 25, there is the admonition. 17 again speaks of remembering the words of the apostles. Think about that. When you and I refer to Scripture, we refer to the words of those who served as apostles and as close associates of those men. Look at verses 18 and 19. Because Jude can't resist giving one more vivid portrait. Here's something that's interesting. 
I find it striking that people have a difficult time and they'll study the book of Jude and not get the idea that it's right to fight when we fight right for what is right in the sight of God. Some people will read the book of Jude and think that that gives them every right to be mean-spirited, ungodly, and unkind while they rake everybody over the coals. I don't know where you get that in the book of Jude. As a matter of fact, Brother Tim, he doesn't name one of the false teachers, although he goes out of his way to name people from the Old Testament who went the wrong way. But now what he does is he goes on to talk about their character, the character of false teachers, religious error, people that are wrapped up in it. It was true in the Old Testament and it's true now. Notice what he has to say about them in verses 18 and 19. Scoffers, people who are scornful, people who belittle what Scripture says, and people who do not show great respect for God. That wasn't just true in the Old Testament or in the first century when Jude lived. It's true in 2021, isn't it? Secondly, notice what else is said. They have their own passionate lust. They're not only people who are scornful, they're people who are lustful. They're lustful. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 1 John 2, 15-17. Again, notice how he describes these people that are caught up in what's wrong and they leave what is right. He describes them as being people who cause divisions and who are worldly. And then number five, they cause divisions, they're worldly, there's three and four, but they also are people who are devoid of the Spirit. What a statement. Jesus doesn't stay where He's not welcome, and the Spirit doesn't stay where He's unwelcome either. It is possible to resist the Spirit Acts 7.51 It is possible to quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and 19 It's possible to grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 Because these people do not want to walk in the ways of God, in the way of the Spirit, the Spirit is not welcome in their lives People devoid of the Spirit. Interesting. What a graphic description of people who leave the faith. Jude 3. Now, go to verse 20. Just as verse 17 began with, but you, there really should be that contrast. But you again. In verse 20. And notice how fond he is of lumping these threes together, these triads. He says, build yourself up in the most holy faith. 
pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What I want you to see is he makes reference to us and the most holy faith, and then he proceeds to make reference to the Spirit, to the Father, and to Jesus. You see the Godhead, the Trinity in the passage? You ought to. Because the subject's there. Notice how we deal with others in verses 22 and 23. And I love this passage because it is right to fight when we fight right for what's right in the sight of God. This is, an all, this is all about attitude here. Some people I brought out that they think they can use Jude to be ungracious, unkind, and mean-spirited and ungodly. You can't do that. Nor can you use the book of Jude. I wonder when was the last time some have heard sermons from the book of Jude. Because... It must be possible to have such an attitude toward the gospel, the truth, the faith that Jude's talking about here. It wasn't something confined just to the first century. It can happen now. So to be oblivious to the reality of religious error, too bad, so sad on the one hand, or to be suspicious of anyone and everyone on the other extreme, that violates the spirit of the book of Jude. Believe that? Can I get an amen? That violates the spirit. Either extreme does. Now notice how you approach people. Attitude in dealing with the faith, number one. Toward those who doubt. Be gentle with those who doubt. See that in verse 22? The word you'll have is probably the word mercy. Whenever I have doubts and I have struggles, I likely don't need someone to beat me up as much as I do to pick me up. Be gentle with those who doubt. Think Jesus, think the Apostle Paul, and so many others. Secondly, look at the text again in verse 23. It says, To others, save them by snatching them out of the fire. Be gentle With those who doubt, consider yourself, restore them in a spirit of gentleness, meekness, lest you also be tempted, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. But there are others who are in danger. Be deliberately quick with those who are in danger of losing their soul. Snatch them out of the fire. Be deliberate and quick. You know, if your child has fallen 
and has fallen into a fire, a parent, most parents would not think twice about getting burned, but they would reach for that child knowing full well that their child could die if they wait very long. Concern for others will make us deliberate and fast-acting when people are losing their souls. Number three. On others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that has been defiled by sin. You know, you stop and think about what error can do. Error can cause doubt to become disbelief. Error can cause a person to eventually be lost. Error, going away from Jesus and His gospel, can cause a person to be stained and defiled. Look at Jude now. I talked about the God-centeredness of this book. And verses 24 and 25 is one of the greatest passages in all of the New Testament. I have no doubt, Brother Jack, that it is. Listen to how God is spoken of. First of all, God's power is elaborated. You know, it talks about what we need to do in our attitude towards sin. But trust in a great God to help you in dealing with people. Don't leave what is true. Don't be discouraged by those who don't embrace the truth, hold to God. Now notice, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Keep yourselves in the love of God, but he's able to keep you from stumbling. Blessed are the balanced, Carl. You try to keep yourself in his love. God is more than capable and able to keep us from stumbling. Next. Notice the passage. God can present us blameless. You have ability, keep you from stumbling. You have purity, present you blameless. Before the presence of His glory with great joy. God is powerful, God is pure, God is present, God is glorious, God gives us joy. I'd say that passage is full of our good God. Now look at verse 25, and Jude has no problem attributing to Jesus, the things he was saying about God, to the only God. He's the unique God, the one and only. The saving God, who through Jesus Christ our Lord, we should give glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. He's worthy forever and ever. Amen. I love the way Jude ends this book. 
You know, last week I was talking with Cherie on our way home and we were discussing the sermon and she says, you know, I appreciate Jude and what he says, but it's hard to just say, I love the message of the book of Jude. That may be true to some degree. But I tell you what, when you look at the beginning of the book and the end of the book, he sure knows how to talk about God to give people the courage to keep on keeping on, doesn't he? And I love that part. Even though the part about false teaching and religious error can be very uncomfortable sometimes for Christians. Now, let's close with a prayer. God in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. May our great desire, if we are part of the church, the body of Christ, may our great desire to be to keep ourselves in the most holy faith. But God, we look to you to keep us from stumbling. We need your strength and grace and mercy every moment of every day of our lives. God, we believe you will see us home. And we trust you to do just that. Help us to avoid what is false and to consider it to be the plague that it is. Help us to love the faith and help us to cling to the faith until the very last breath we take. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray in Him as our Lord and Savior. Amen. If you're not a Christian, you can come to Jesus tonight and respond to His love and grace and mercy through faith, repentance, and baptism. If you are a Christian and you look at your life and you are overwhelmed by what you see outside, look up. Look up to God and look more in. Look more in Scripture. That will see you through. Let us stand and sing.